What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, thank you, Dave Slade, for the intro, and thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast. Our podcast and our Facebook Lives are all sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit the retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, Scottsdale, Arizona, and soon in the greater Atlanta area. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. That's Baseballism.com. We've got a megapod today uh, to celebrate uh, minor league opening day and to wrap up a great first week of the baseball season proper in a professional baseball season. Uh, John Manuel here, J.J. Cooper, Josh Norris, Kyle Glazer, and Jack Germond's ghost over here <laughs> to go around the horn here on oh. the Manual Group. Uh, issue number one, which Rosto do you most want to see? J.J. Cooper. Charlotte Knights. <laughs> I'm not going to say wrong. No. I, think, I don't think you're wrong. That's, that's what is your one. favorite minor league roster this year, guys, and say why? So you I, I was to say, I'm taking the easy one because I'm taking the Charlotte Knights because Yoan Mankata, Ronaldo Lopez, Birdie, Carson, Carson Fulmer, I had, I had to, I Lucas did, Giolito. I, I angered the Louisville followers in my feed when somebody showed the video of Zach Birdie. Somebody tweeted, the, I think it was the Charlotte Knights, tweeted the video of him hitting 100. And I just quote tweeted it and it was like, well, stay away from those down and in changeups of left-handed hitters. Hashtag Gaucho Grande, because I love saying Gaucho Grande. And the Louisville fans were just, like, too soon. <laughs> it was all over my I feed. Think, I think 2025 would be too soon. Yes, it was a bad idea. But, I mean, it's, you know, in my head, Zach Birdie's going to have to do something to get me past the Gaucho Grande, because it's just one of the more memorable moments in Super Regional history. One of the things he's done so far is Sam he, Cohen like that he no longer sets up pointing his foot towards shortstop. That's right. He he has changed his uh, how he comes set. He was before the most closed off of the closed off closed offs. 
I've never seen anybody stand with their front foot pointing to shortstop. You ever, you guys ever seen that? I'm nothing to even that picture it. Nothing that extreme. I mean, I've seen some closed off, but that's definitely uh, pretty, pretty extreme. Think of it this way: usually, when a guy comes in, like we we shoot a lot of video. And usually when you shoot video, if you like, are just got the clips, there may be when the pitcher changes and if they don't have the number on the front of the, the uniform, it's easy to see. You're like, who's this? Oh, wait, that's that guy or whatever. With Birdie, you're just reading the number off the back of his uniform when he was at Louisville. It's like, yep, that's him. Yeah. As he stood, as he took, you know, got ready to throw. It's like, yep, okay, yep. Yeah, no question. It's definitely unique. Uh, you mentioned the Charlotte roster being the most talented. I, I am inclined to agree with that. Just looking up and down that roster, it's it's hard to beat. I think that mix of high ceiling talent as well as you know progress towards the majors. I really do feel like they are in a class of their own. Even beyond, you know, we also had Durham second, uh, and that's going to be a great series. But even when I look at the gap between one and two, I as much as I think Durham is loaded. I still think that Charlotte is just on a level on its own. The one thing I thought about, we if you go to BaseballAmerica.com, we have the top 20 uh, loaded rosters. Every year when we do this, I toy with, the one thing about it is, is that I can see an argument for you get an advantage for position players. The idea being, we're ranking this because it's like, these are the teams to go see. And Charlotte falls into this a little bit in that the guys you want to see for Charlotte are predominantly, Yoan Makata is reason enough to go, but is predominantly pitchers. And so if you see them on a day that Fulmer, Lopez, Giolito are not pitching. Which, or if Birdie doesn't come out. And if Birdie doesn't come out of the pen, that's not the same experience. Whereas if you're seeing a team, and Durham's a little bit more this way, that if you're seeing a team that is loaded with position players, Bowers, Gillespie, you know, Adames, a team like that, most every night you show up, you've got a pretty good chance you're going to see those. Right, and that's why I was thinking about being kind of contrarian here and taking Durham, just because you can go every night and see Willie Adames, who's, you know, really, really good and really young, uh, Jake Bowers, who is the same way. Uh, you can see Casey Gillespie on those nights. I'm probably going to miss someone here. But those are, those are guys you can see on an everyday basis rather than, Oh, and you, you will get to see Chiwe Hu and eventually Brett Honeywell and Jake Faria. Jose uh, De Leon. Jose De Leon eventually. The uh, oh, and their bullpen of death. Although Guerrero is going to be in the rotation according to their probables. But uh, Stanek. Well, that's, I, I thought he was supposed to be in the pen. I mean, I'm just going off the MILB probables. But Stanek and the other, who am I missing? Jamie Schultz. There it is, Jamie Schultz. That, that's the thing is that Durham has ridiculous depth of pitching. Pretty much any time you go see Durham, that team's going to have... A prospect on the mound. It's very rare that they're not. Well, how about with that? They had they had three teams that made our top twenty. You go to the Braves Triple A. You go to Double A. You go to High A. You go to Low A. Most every night, you're going to have a pretty good chance. That's got to let you know, JJ. You 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 and the Braves almost ruined Ben Badler's trip to uh, Orlando. I'm trying to have Ben on a podcast next week. He's traveling. He's in Orlando. Uh, the Osceola County, I guess, is where he actually is this week. Fire frogs. Yeah, so he so he planned this trip a month ago, or two months ago. Of course, I forgot that he was going. Um, but he planned it because he said, well, the Braves are so deep. They're opening with the Reds team. The Reds, he wanted to see Nick Senzel. There's, you know, Chris Oakey, Vlad Gutierrez. Right, extended spring guys that he could also go see this first part of the week if he needed to. But he really thought Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, or... Max Freed, or two of those three would be there, and they're not. And the Braves, even though they jumped those guys, they still have ridiculous prospects. Luis Gohara, Tuki Toussaint, 
Drew Harrington. Last, Drew Harrington. You know, so it's a college left. Louisville Pike. Louisville no, there's no question they're really loaded. Um, you know, to me, two teams that didn't make, and I have to, I have to West Coast represent a little bit. Please, please. Two teams that did not make our top twenty. Like, like Oregon and Gonzaga. Sorry. It's all Ouch. Good. Hey, you know what? West Coast back in the final anyway, four. I don't care. I'll wear it. But moving, you know, um, I look at both Ranch Cucamonga and Lake Elsinore. Now, part of the reason they didn't make our top 20s is because some of their guys aren't technically around on opening day. Like Lake Elsinore is Sands, Anderson Espinoza, and Jacob Nix. Ranch Cucamonga right. is Sands, Walker, Bueller at this moment. But I think as we get into May, oh, I really do think those two teams will be two of the top 20 teams to see prospect-wise really in all of minor league baseball, let alone the western half of the United States. I, I think I agree that Rancho is the team that if everyone's there, Rancho's you, – you want to talk about a rotation where you can see someone every night. Right. Rancho's a team where you can do that when they're all there. Right. But we don't have a Yadier Alvarez. You don't, Alvarez. Need, you don't, we don't need Walker have, or Yadier Alvarez. you got but, Mitch White. But, but you still have Mitchell White. You still have Jordan Sheffield. You still have Dana Santana. So there is a, there's a lot of talent there. But you're right. I think that having those guys join them is what will push them over the top. Same when you move to Lake Elsinore. And at full strength, in theory, you'll have Anderson Espinoza, Jacob Nix, Eric Lauer, Cal Quantrill as your top four. And Logan Allen there, too. Or He's in Fort Wayne right yeah. now. But, but I mean, he might he move up when... They bring in the Mason Thompsons and the Adrian Or even, even if he doesn't, you still have Joey Lucchese, who's a top 30 prospect as the five there. Plus, you had a position Opening group. Opening day starter, Joey Lucchese. Yeah, plus you have a position group involving you know uh, uh, Josh Naylor, Michael Geddes. So there's some good talent there. Uh, and even at Rancho Cucamonga, there's still Usnail Diaz, who's going to be there in the outfield for them. I think uh, you know the Dodgers have done a nice job of moving guys up. There's always you know position players that... Maybe we don't love right off the bat, but I feel like the Dodgers have done a really good job of developing guys and getting them good. We saw it with Willie Calhoun a few years yeah. ago. Um, so I do think that Wrench Cucamonga, when all said and done, will have a, a roster at full strength as good as a lot of these teams in our top 20, and, and same goes for Elsinore. And I will northeast it up because <laughs> Hudson's not here. Um, <laughs> the one I want to see matched up, I do. this is going to shock everyone in the room, Charleston v. Lakewood, you're going to have Moniac and Rutherford on the same field. Plus, uh, I thought you were going to say Trenton. I just assumed Trenton was coming out of your mouth. Well, they're, they're, it they're, did they're, shock me. Estevan Floreal is going to be on that roster. Oh, well, yeah. Personal cheese ball is on that roster. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, Adonis Medina, uh, Daniel Brito, Archime- Archimedes Gamboa on that roster. And there's probably so more Yankees, guys. Yankees 2015 and 2014 international classes foo coming all versus yeah versus uh, all over that roster basically versus Phillies international classes yeah that's an aggressive jump for Florial isn't it considering he was in he was in know, Pulaski middle last year. yeah so he's in Pulaski like I guess it's rookie advance but the Yankees also he struck out 71 times there 78 yeah whatever I mean, it was and they have a short season you, know, you could easily just send him to Staten Island and make that I mean they the can do step up. they can do that after that too but. Um, they love him to death, and they even gave him a cameo at Tampa last year. You know, they really and, like him. And, and Abreu last night. Yeah, was, Albert Abreu was another Albert one. Abreu was up to 98. He uh, got a strikeout on a really nice curveball as well. Listen to that game. Uh, uh, I don't even know who. I apologize to the broadcaster who was doing it. I didn't get that his name. That is Matt Dean. Matt Dean did a solid job with that game. Uh, fun, fun listening on my way home. And that is, uh, that's Abreu's on that team, and... The other uh, Jorge Guzman is in that bullpen, I believe, who's going to throw even harder than Abreu. Yes. I got to see Abreu twice in spring training, and you know he's up to 98 and nasty curveball too. 
You know, I want to go back to, John, you just hit on Esteban Florial and aggressive assignments. I feel like we've seen a lot of aggressive assignments. Our uh, youngest players in each league just went live. You talk about Soroka and Allard. Uh, we've seen, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys have a much bigger, broader view, but I feel like I'm hearing more from front offices and general managers now about what well, we want to challenge guys as opposed to, well, we want to take them slow, let them develop, give them that year or two. It seems to me like... I just hear a lot more about, well, we want to challenge them. Oh, 19 and AA? Yeah, go right ahead. When I feel like even 10, Play 15 years ago, yeah. that was almost unheard of. We have data. We This is a good – one of you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm piecing out for a few days. Hmm. We have the top 10 youngest by league. We have eight years of that now. eight years. Back to 20. So if you – again, someone's like someone, Matt Eddie special. <laughs> someone, someone can just dive in there and say, okay, you know what? They were X – they were – the average, the youngest players were 20 years old in high A in 2010. Now they're this. So we can, that'll be fun to do. Yeah, it just seems like there, there's definitely been this trend where, you know, maybe it's because we're seeing guys get up a little bit faster post-steroids era. The peaks are a little bit younger now. I mean, I think there's a lot of related, uh, related uh, factoids behind it. But at the same time... You know, I think it's just interesting seeing this shift in mindset where, oh, let's, again, you know, talk about the Rays are known for taking things slowly with their pitchers. Let's give them that full year. Let them really, really marinate, if you will. And I feel like that was much more common a few years ago. Now it's, oh, you know, so-and-so had, you know, two, you know, Cal Quantrill, oh, two starts in Fort Wayne, go up to Elsinore right away. But or Cal Quantrill, well, I guess, no, sorry, that's a bad example. That's a bad example. I guess I, the point the, is I'm talking. The one about. thing I'll caution with this is that, and it may be true, I'm not saying it's not, but this is also something... The, the big league version of this we've heard forever is, is, oh, these players just, they move so much quicker now. And this is something that Bill James was squashing in the 80s. I'm not saying it's not true now. Like, we, again, we have data to kind of look at it. But in the 80s, it was like, you know, guys used to have to really earn their way to the big leagues. And then you look at it, and it's like, huh? that was not true. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was like, no, Sandy Kof, you know, we used to have bonus babies where it's like, yeah, you're going to just sit in the true big leagues until you're, you know. What about Moncada? I mean, he jumped from double A to the big leagues after Well, this. not just double A, but 40 at-bats in double A. Right, he, 40, he jumped quick. 40 games. I mean, this is this oh. is his debut in triple A. Yeah, but, right. that's, but I don't I, think I, that's unusual. Or, or, or uh, last year's Greenville rotation, which you had Espinosa in there at 18, and then Raniel Routis, who was like three days younger than him, Fronting a low A rotation. The, to me, what front on that. to me I what I, I do think that that does happen maybe a little bit more often is is the, the progression now seems to be a lot of it is is that for the high school guys full season in low A and then after that all bets are off like you could go high A double A triple A very quickly for the college guys it almost doesn't matter where you start your first full season it is be in double A pretty quickly and then from there I. Where I think a lot of that may happen is is that the double A to big league jump is now kind of considered. I mean, just normal. think about like again, this will date me, but ninety six, ninety seven, those were two of my first years here. Ninety six was Andrew Jones. He started the year in high A, and the he, for, after a full season in low A, full season in low A, then he went high A, double A, little bit of triple A, then the big leagues. Vernon Wells World the series. next year did the exact same thing with the Blue Jays. So now I think the team, I think 20 years ago, the teams did think a little AAA experience went a long way. I don't believe that's the case anymore. I do believe that <laughs> clubs just really just, so last year, Andrew Benintendi and, uh, you know, was analogous to that. We got a little bit of AAA time for Alex Bregman, right. but you know, Swanson, Dan, Swanson Dan, had like Dan a David Dahl a little bit as well. Yeah, but most of the, most of the time you do, I think most teams, especially Dave Dabrowski, 
is one of the more aggressive franchises out there. And I actually wonder if maybe there are other organizations that are maybe are getting a little bit more aggressive, but then you still have others that are getting less aggressive. The White Sox have always been, uh, uh, since Kenny Williams started running their front office, the most aggressive team. And that's an organization that's, as you wrote about, Dan Fabian, their pro scouting director, talking about they're trying to slam the brakes a little bit on all these kind of for, guys. So for Giolito, for very good reason. Because, again, I think back, like Courtney Hawkins, Courtney Hawkins is mm-hmm. the guy beyond anyone else, and it's not close, where I remember being in Winston-Salem, and I remember everyone who came through there, scouts, other teams, all kind of asked the questions like, why is this guy here? And the answer was, he had two good weeks there at the end of his debut season. He went to the Appy League. The season ended at the end of August, and the Carolina League team was headed for the playoffs in Winston-Salem, so Which they moved fine. him up, and that's fine. They moved him up, and he hit well in Winston-Salem for like two weeks, and they sent him right back to Winston-Salem the next year, and they went up sending him and right back to Winston-Salem the next year, and right back the next year. He never yeah, I, got any better. I feel like the first half of my career at BA was was, was hit Courtney Hawkins in hit in uh, high A. Yeah, and taking video of him striking out on a pitch two feet out of the zone. I, I missed that it was sixteen games at Canapolis, then five, then five games at Winston-Salem. So like, oh, you know that. Those 65 at-bats with the Intimidators, he really mastered that level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. You know, a lot of this can be cyclical, and you're right. It's not universal. Oh, every team is going to do this. He's it, in his third year be... Birmingham, by the way, this year. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely not Birmingham. a guy that most people are going to look back as a first-round pick and say, ooh, that was a good one. But, you know, moving forward, I, again, maybe this trend, it's cyclical and it reverses in a few years. Maybe it isn't a trend at all, and we're just cherry-picking some of what we've heard. And I think it's going to be interesting to see, though, as this year moves forward, you know, we're seeing a 17-year-old in the Midwest League. We're seeing a bunch of 19-year-olds in double-A. Mm, he's um, not even the one guy. He's not even the youngest guy. He's no. not the youngest guy? No, the E-Guy e- Rosario. Yes. Eggy. Eggy. So, but, you know. I would I, prefer calling the, him the E-Guy. That's even, awesome. even looking at AAA, we've got guys, you know, 20 years and just over 20. And, but that's, and a good chunk say, of But them. that is, that to me is actually not that unusual. Like, the unusual one we had was this, we had Julio Urias pitching in the Midwest League at 16. 16. That was that was unprecedented. Crazy. That was not well not I mean, unprecedented, but, but it is Jacobo Sakea was that the guy's name? Yes. Even even being in the Cal League at 17, that's well again like I, I take the example Adrian Marhone, who's right now extended, but you heard when we were out in spring training like some Urias comps on him because you saw a lefty with an easy delivery with plus fastball with a plus changeup, and, you know, you say, okay, you know, is this, and then you go, well, no, not really. Morahone, who's very advanced for his age, who will be going to full season ball this year as an 18-year-old, and maybe he's ready for high A at some point this year. And then you go, and Urias was two levels beyond that at that point. I mean, he right. is the, the funny thing he, about he's that. He's an outlier. He the, is the outlier. The, the great thing about that is, is that putting together the youngest by, also at BaseballAmerica.com today, you have the youngest Top ten youngest per league for each league. Julio Urias for opening day was technically on the Rancho roster, even though you know he's not. I mean, it's just basically stashing him because they don't want him in the big leagues yet. They're limiting his innings, all that, whatever. But he's the eleventh youngest player in the Cal League <laughs> now. He's pitched vital games in the playoffs. And if you stuck him back in the Cal League, you'd say, he's one of the youngest guys in the league. Yeah. No, that's why, you know, those guys are really, really special. I, I'm going to be fascinated to see in particular, 
you know, how the Braves' 19-year-old position, uh, 19-year-old pitchers perform this year in Double A. Yeah. Given the because of the aggressiveness of those moves. Uh, Allard, Allard, and the thing is that Allard and Soroka are so different in that regard. And that Allard's the, he's not a crafty lefty because that sells his fastball and his stuff short, but he has plus stuff and craftiness. He's a SoCal kid. Shout out to Southern yep. California. Is he a Southland kid? Yep. Yes, he is he from is. the Southland. San Clemente High down The only reason County. I know that is there was a TV show called Southland for a <laughs> short time. And I wonder, why is it called Southland? I researched it and found out. Anyway, um, so he's a Southland kid. But Mike Soroka is from Calgary, Alberta. And, you know, shout out to Chris Rietzma, fellow Calgary, Alberta, and one of the highest drafted Canadians ever for shepherding Mike Soroka along and to Greg Hamilton and, and Baseball Canada's program, that he's polished enough to do that. I mean, that's the, the high school kid from Southern California who was the highest ranked high school pitcher in the class before he hurt his back. That guy being on the fast track, that, that makes total sense historically. The Canadian dude doing it, that's another outlier. And, that's, and he's young for his experience level, for being, he's not just young, for, he's young for a guy from the 2015 draft. He's, Mike Soroka is an outlier in a lot of ways. I mean, like Max Fried's in Double A because he should be By the 2012 way, draft. And you know, about, get on the get on the fast track. One, one thing to note with Fried was he left the start last night with uh, a combination. He had a, he felt uh, a little bit of back tightness. It doesn't seem like anything serious. He also had thrown 50 something pitches in less than two innings. So. If he'd have been a pirate, he'd have been out of there anyway yeah. because he would, have, he would have already checked off the 30 pitches, stressful pitches in an inning. You just spots. couldn't get right, huh? Couldn't get loose. You know, so like. it's for, first start of the year. It's always, it's always, I think, uh, foolish when people freak out over a pitcher oh. in the first start, especially not, you know, especially in the cold weather cities. Oh my gosh, our top draft pick, you know, star opening day, and he. Walked five guys in two and a third. I'm, you know, what oh baseball no. in cold weather cities? Like the whole East Coast was rained out yesterday. Yeah, but right. Midwest, you know, Vince <laughs> yeah. Lara, who we had in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, was talking about most of the game was played in the 30s. It, the game time temperature was 40 some, but most of the That's, game was played in the 30s. And, and, and with that, like uh, we're talking about Colby Allard, one thing to remember that yes, it is easy because the season's so long to get too focused on what's going on at any one moment. At this time. Last year, Colby Allard had yet to make the low-A roster. He's still extended, right. working back from the back injury. Then he came up to low-A. Then he made three starts, got shelled, was sent to the Appy League. And here he is less than a year later, and he's skipping to double-A because Fun fact three starts that don't start, matter that much. I did talk to him after one of those starts, and the most disturbing thing I heard is that that guy had been in Orlando forever and had not visited Disney World. Smart Come on. Move. Smart man. Smart man that uh, Max Fried. Or Allard. Very good Back injury on those roller coasters, you don't want to mess with it. Tower of Terror is there for a reason. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go back to Mitch, just what you're talking about. At this time last year, Mitch White was a redshirt sophomore who had pitched like 30-some innings in college coming into the year and was throwing two pitches. And a month and a half later, he's throwing four and gets moved up to the second round. And now he's in high A, now he's teammates with Julio Urias. At this time last year on draft day, he was probably playing a video game where he was controlling Julio Urias. <laughs> so I mean, just so that, that's you know, things these, happen. Things fast. change really, really especially fast. Especially with pitchers, because right, especially is, with pitchers. This is the thing that's always difficult when you are trying to rank pitchers. Pitchers get hurt, yes. Pitchers can lose command and control, but also a guy who, as of today, doesn't have a breaking ball can tomorrow have a conversation with a teammate, a pitching coach. How do you grip your breaking ball? Oh, I hold this it like this, good. and I throw the bleep out of it. One thing I've heard that, that story twice about 
70 slash 80 sliders in the last two years. One guy that comes up to me that did the, you know, further along up the major league level, and it's just kind of a funny story to me, is, you know, Michael Fulmer, the scouting reports all on him were, doesn't have a change up, he's probably going to be a reliever because of it, X, Y, and Z. And all he did was change his grip. And you look at what he did against major league batters with his changeup. The result of it, it was a plus to double plus yeah. pitch. No, it's... I mean, he, and this was a guy who didn't have a changeup as of double A. And then by the time he's rookie of the year, he no one can hit it in the major leagues just because no. he changed the grip. That's it. This was it reminds me of a conversation you and I had about Tiago Vieira. I told you, oh, this guy's you're right. This guy's throwing a million miles an hour. You like hammer slider. No, this is a pretty standard 12 to 6 curveball. Like, what changed? Right. And in the, when the when four I was having my conversations was... with people, you know, in the Cal, like, yeah, it was fastball slider. And then Josh says, oh, yeah, it's got a curveball to him. Like, wait, what? Where did that come from? I mean, unless, I mean, I know the breaking balls these days seem to meld in each other, but no, his, pretty standard 12 6. Yeah, no, his and his velocity on the slider versus what that curveball is, there's pretty clear differentiation. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, especially, well, it's the, the minor league. Baseball is development, and people, I think, sometimes forget that that right. what the guy is in high A is not what he's going to be at this time next year. And that's where you mentioned, you know, analyzing players, figuring out where they slot, especially pitchers, but hitters too. These guys are young kids, still figuring out their bodies, getting bigger, getting stronger, learning how to do new things. And that's why, you know, you can look for the attributes you think will project, but a lot of times... Things happen you can't really anticipate. And, and this is the difference to me between pitchers and hitters is that, you, yes, there are very small examples, few examples of hitters learning to hit, but pitchers, I mean, the example that's going on right now in the big leagues is how long Rich Hill, we wrote yeah. about Rich Hill a decade ago when he was a promising up-and-comer. I mean, 2005 Cubs. is his career high for innings in the big leagues. With the Cubs in 05, he threw 190-some innings. And he wasn't a relevant pitcher again in the major leagues for like what eight years, right. nine years. And that's and I mean, just an unbelievable story. And that's and that is not that unusual. Whereas you really don't write stories about hitters who were good in 05 and then in 2014 they get signed out of indie ball and they figure it out again. No, it's pretty much hitting is you have the the tool the tools are more important for hitting than they are for pitching. I think that's fair. I would say where we get into trouble is, I think, more with the power projection for hitting. When we say, oh, this guy, you know, it's uh, the swing is X. There's not a lot of, you know, the swing path or the strength behind it, you know, whatever. It doesn't project for X power, but a lot of those can, you know, as long as you have those basic tools for hitting, like you discussed, power can develop. And I think, you know, looking back at, you know, various people's, you know, ideas of how much power guys have. I th- I've seen a lot, well, but I, I think more recently, I see a lot of guys get sold short. You know, I, Robinson Cano's a great example of, mm-hmm. there was, you know, not a lot of power there. People's like, oh, there's not going to be much. And then... I think with him, it was more of the fit. It was the, is he a second baseman or is he a third baseman? That kind but, of thing. But even, but I mean, I remember going back and reading the reports because I was curious and that was a common theme. And even, you know, Mike Trout, for example, some of his stuff. Oh, we really like, you know, his his, you know, his bat speed. The power his was the to... question with him. Yeah. Right. I mean, single reports, especially when he didn't hit a single home run. I believe his first uh, was that first showing. I think what happened was when he came to the big leagues and he was exhausted. You know, that first full season, basically. Right. He just was so gassed that he didn't have great bat speed. Oh, I, I, in the fall league, he had 
no vast speed that right. year in 2011. Not I, I was thinking earlier, like when he was first drafted, those earlier reports, the well, power. There right. wasn't, but the point is, I think power can grow, and I think that's where you see how pitchers can develop. You know, a different a different pitch, learn how to do some new things. I think on the power side, is where hit, the hitters, I don't know if, if equivalent is the right word. But they can, you know, learn to loft the swing path, just build up a right. little bit stronger. The, the key thing is, as you as you said, you have to have the hitting component because there's also yes, no the trade off. Yeah. You you can choose how much, how how much am I going to emphasize the hit and how much am I going to emphasize the power? Right. There are guys at one in the spectrum. Joey Gallo, the lesson has always been de-emphasize mm, the power a little because if right. you hit a 390 foot home run. It counts the same as the 435 footer that they said it was last week, and that was not a 435 yeah, that footer. Was, no that way. was way more than a 400. That's 460 feet if it's a foot at all. I mean, that that, that was hashtag crushed. Yeah, I agree. You have to have the basic hitting components, no question. I just think that that's something that can you know improve, increase more than I think sometimes uh, guys are given credit for how much they might be able to actually increase. It. I think the thing with a I'll wrap that discussion in two things. First, I think. Uh, most scouts do think power comes last. I think what happens with guys like Trout and Cano is if a scout really thinks, and I've heard this from too many guys lately talking about the draft, wow, if I add all these numbers up, I'm giving this guy like a 70 OFP, and they hedge because they don't want to go too high. Right. And I've had s- several scouts tell me lately, you got to be, will- there are eights out there. You've mm-hmm. got to be willing, you're not grading on a two to six scale, you're grading on a two to eight scale or a 20 80 scale. Use the whole scale. I had a cross checker tell me last week at an HSI. I had a director tell me the same thing, and I had an area guy tell me the same thing on the last week and a half span. So if you're going down your list and you've got Robinson Cano with an 80 arm or a 70 arm, and you got if you believe in him at second base in the minor league, and you think this guy's a plus defender, this guy's a plus hitter, maybe double plus hitter, and you're like, holy crap! If I put plus power on this guy, I'm writing him up as an all star. You're putting so you're putting yourself out there right. in a way that you may not be comfortable. And I think that's the same thing with Trout. Every grade was so high that you're thinking, if I put seven power on this guy as a future, first of all, you had to project it at that point. Right. Second of all, you're putting yourself on the table in a really big way that I think people are hesitant to do. No question. And I just think that's just human nature. Well, so that's I think that but, plays into it a lot. And hitting is so hard that the thing about it is is that also with that, the same way, you almost never you never hear anyone. I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with a scout, pro scout, or area, you know, amateur scout, who ever threw an eight on a hit, on a projected, like for a prospect. On an amateur? Yeah, I don't think I've heard that yeah. on an amateur. You guys I mean, have been doing this a lot longer than I have, and I have yet to hear that as well. But I, I will say one of the things that was interesting. You talk about the draft I hate classes. Power thrown around a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 Southern California as a draft class this year is one of the best. It's been a while. We've talked about this a lot. Off the, off the chain, as the kids would but say. But one of the things that's interesting is. You know, one of the scouts I spoke with talked to me. He's like, this class is so deep. There's going to be a seven hit in here. There's going to be a seven power. Someone needs to put their cojones yeah. on the table and call it. But yeah, you know who got a seven hit? I actually remember this. Forrest, Forrest Wall. <laughs> By Forrest the way, Wall got a seven hit. Hey, tri- triple shot the cycle last night. Yeah, I was going to say, the way yeah, he hit Lancaster last night. That was true night. like in the fourth inning. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Forrest. Um, but, Run. But, so you hear that, oh, but then as I'm going run. down with the scouts, Talking about different guys, they won't do it. Most guys are topping out at sixes, even though they know there's a seven somewhere. They're hesitant to go beyond a six. The one guy I've heard a seven on is Rutherford, for his hit tool. 
and that was from a couple guys. I did get that on Moniac last year, where if you believe it was the guys, guys in San Diego yeah. area saying, if you believe in Mo, Mickey Mo was the number one pick, you do it because you put a seven on the hit. But we're still those seven. are eight. So I was gonna say seven, you can get. Those you can get sevens. It's, yeah. Have no one. I mean, because hitting is so hard to project, sitting is so hard to scout that it just no one really feels comfortable throwing an eight. Did anyone throw an eight on Miguel Cabrera when he was an amateur? Um, or a, uh, not amateur, I'm well, sorry. Uh, well, either a minor leaguer or an international guy. I'm, well, I mean, like... It's tough because he he's so did. young. Well, he probably did in Venezuela because he got $1.9 million. At that yeah. time, for an international prospect, was not quite unheard of, but it was... I don't remember if that was a record bonus, but it was close. It was, uh, it was lofty. Last thing I wanted to say is, because uh, I, I think we should wrap up sooner than later, uh, I want to see Lansing. JJ had him 20th. I understand why you had him 20th. That's the team I want to see. But as as, be, as we've said before, I just want to go watch the left side of the infield. Bradley Jones could be very interesting to watch. I'm sure J.B. Woodman is uh, fun to watch. I just want to go see BP with B, with Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. And if somebody, some enterprising uh, videographer needs to just go and start making like the Vlad and Bo show. Because those two guys are both sons of big leaguers. They both play. Bo Bichette plays with... Uh, he is self-assured. We'll say it that way. <laughs> he is self-assured, and he's unique. He's got a real high elbow backfire swing, the way that Hudson but, talk calls but it. But you know what, though? I but one of my first assignments here was to watch Bo Bichette at, at Jupiter. I don't know why to this day. Bo Bichette, where? To, to see Clint made me sit on that super talented team for whatever reason without knowing me more than a couple weeks. His, I saw him at my last day at spring training this year, too, Bo Bichette. And it's so much different than what I remember. Like, first time I saw him, it looked like Hideo Nomo trying to hit. And this time, it's, it's still a little weird, but good lord, he must have been putting 110-mile ex- exit velocities on this because he almost killed Elbert Bregu twice. The dude can just flat-out rake, and I want to see him at shortstop. I want to see what that looks like. I want to see how that works. I really want to see Vlad Jr. at third base and just see how that works for more than 50 games. But... So when Tulo and Donaldson, when their time is done, Bo and Vlad on that left side? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm never going to say that Josh Donaldson's time is done. <laughs> the bringer of rain can do like pretty much whatever he wants to do. That guy is so much fun to watch. Tulo's slowing down. So. I, was, I was telling someone at, at the same game that I saw Bo Bichette that when I was watching the Vlad BP at the office, I felt like someone was going to flag my computer for like uh, adult content. Just <laughs> watching Vlad, like my jaw became like, Unhinged. I've never seen anything like that. And he hits so much like his dad. That's the awesome slash crazy part. And if you follow me on Twitter, at John Manuel BA, you will see that I changed my avatar today to the picture of baby Vlad Jr. when he's <laughs> tipping his exposed cap at his dad's last game there because that picture is just so phenomenal. So if I'm in your Twitter feed and you're like, who is this picture of? That's Vlad Jr. because... My, it's, my, it's the exposed picture who's not Jonah Curry. It was the tip of my cap to minor league opening day, and uh, I went young Vlad Jr. and old Augie Garrido on my Twitter page. So um, that was almost kind of for just for Nathan Rohde, who used to love uh, how often I changed my Twitter avatar. Um, I have noticed it. I'm not going to lie. In the nine months I've I been here, I lot. think you've had four. I haven't changed mine since 2013, I think. I changed a lot because I had the same column photo in the magazine for like nine years, which was my engagement photo of my wife. <laughs> So it looked young, for, and I had black hair the whole time. So I, once I decided I had to change that, now I just kind of change all the rest of them all the time. 
Um, you guys going to see anybody this weekend? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out a schedule to go to go to Columbia to get the Tebow show and then the Groom show. It's... Tebow show. I can't believe we didn't talk Tebow show. That just shows this is a hardcore baseball podcast, not a Tebow show. Where are you going tonight? I've got Hickory Greensboro tonight. Going to get a look at Rangers' number one prospect, Leody Tavares. Let me tell you, Kolick? you'll, you'll no, like him. Kolick's on the DL, yeah. as usual. Well, he's you know he's still recovering from TJ. So. I mean, TJ was literally 12.5 months ago right now, so at most. So, But he is on their roster, so but, when he comes off the DL, maybe. You but, will see hey, Dalton Wheat. Yes, oh, I know. No. <laughs> That's why JJ and the Bear was a podcast. Number, yeah. one, number one prospect on your indie top uh, and let me say this. 50, 75, whatever it was. <laughs> it was a lot. If you tweet <laughs> about one. Wheat, there is a Wheat emoji. So you'd be able to wear out the Wheat emojis. There you go. Last night, Dalton Wheat in his debut was, we talk about Forrest Wall, he was three for three with all but the single by the fifth inning. And he did yeah. get the sign. Do not sell my man Anderson Tejeda short. That's a young guy who hit like 10 bombs in the Northwest League last year. Yeah, like 8 and 30 games. Yeah. He was really interesting, and he sounds like he's got arm strength to spare, too. Mm-hmm. Well, he's I've, really I've, interesting. I have a cheese ball in the Rangers org as well, and I forget at this exact moment if he's at Hickory or Down East. Right-hander Luke Landfear. Watch him. Just trust me. He was a 21st rounder. They gave Is he him from f- California? Yep. Citrus Valley <laughs> High School. Four, they gave him 475K. He's one of the youngest guys of his draft class. They got him when he was a string bean. They bolted him up. And What's his name? Lucas? Or Luke, Luke Lanphier. L-A-N-P-H-E-R-E. He's here in the Carolinas now. I just mm, forget Luke if he's in down, down. He's in Hickory, it He's in Hickory. He's right. in Hickory. He has a 15.43 ERA after last night. Think, well, considering I think they lost 14-3, to I think everyone has a 15-some ERA on that pitching staff, so I won't hold it against them. That 2013 Hickory team still might be my favorite minor league team of the last decade. I, when I saw I mean, Lewis Brinson last couple By the couple way, weeks, he's getting like, his finger checked out today. Oh. He, what? They jammed it. They want to see if it's broken. But, uh. but he I was like, man, that third team team was just, he's like, I... They, they all, they all just basically. You remember Lewis Brinson when you used to squat with two strikes? Oh, wow, yeah. You used to do yeah. that? That was awesome. I saw, Lou, <laughs> I saw Lou when he went up to High Desert shortly after. Yeah, remember, that was a loaded bunch. So. Remember Joey Gallo when you hit that home run? you got to be more specific, yeah, man. Yeah, I was going to say. Are you talking <laughs> about that, the one that hit? Remember that league record you set for home runs? you got to be more specific. <laughs> remember that 40 home run you hit? you got to be. Remember you broke that truck windshield? Oh, yeah. I for, I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah, that a was, lot of moments. I never that was epic. That. This is why we follow the minor leagues. This is why we work at Baseball America. We get geeked about this kind of stuff. And if you get geeked about that kind of stuff, you need to make sure you follow all these guys on Twitter. Uh, at Jay Norris forty four two seven, look for the picture of Tyler Dorsey. <laughs> and Kyle, what's yours? At Kyle A Glazer, because believe it or not, there's other Kyle Glazers out there. there I had a, to put in the middle another, initial. There's, there's another Josh Norris sports writer. There's another JJ Cooper, who's a politics writer in the north. In the uh, north. And there's another John Manuel, who lives in Durham <laughs> and who writes about like uh, the outdoors and the environment. That's why I'm at John Manuel BA. He's a JJ Coop thirty six hashtag Bussy. And uh, we are Baseball America, and we're sponsored, all of our podcasts and Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism, the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Who, by the way, University of Oregon products, the Baseballism crew. <laughs> right. They were awesome to cover in 2006. Okay, well, that's uh, that, that, that's allowed in the read. But if you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona, and coming soon to the Atlanta Braves SunTrust Park. I believe so. SunTrust Park. Park, Park, Park. Uh, Visit Baseballism.com, enter the code BA2017, and save 20% off your order. That's Baseballism.com. So for Kyle, 
Josh, JJ. I'm John. Bye-bye. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.